This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 90, Changing Personal History. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Jason Lynette here, and welcome back once again. And the goal of this program, the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, is one that brings you actionable strategies in terms of your business, conversations with people who are doing things, well, rather interesting in the hypnosis profession. Though at the same time, the goal is often to just make you more effective as a practitioner of hypnosis, to take your skills, to take your abilities, and maybe add in a couple of extra techniques, a couple of tools in the toolbox, as it were, and uh, decided to uh, come back to some of that a little bit inside of this session here this week, as there's a familiar pattern inside of NLP, inside of Neuro Linguistic Programming, that uh, offers a little bit of an alternative to some other strategies that very often we'd make use of. There are many people in the hypnosis community who would do age regression to cause an informed child in the rebuilding. And there's many people in the NLP and hypnosis communities that would do timeline therapy. There's the whole approach that really what I'm going to share here is on one side a little bit of a refinement of a classic strategy, yet inside of it, even if you have familiarity with this, even if it's already something that you're going to make use of regularly with your clients, I do hope you listen all the way through inside of this program because there are some nuances, there are some little adjustments that just over the years working with clients, training this material as well, I have found to be rather invaluable in terms of enhancing it. You know, it's really that goal of taking the knowledge that we have as hypnotists and taking our training, taking our skills and bringing it all to that next level. And even at times approaching things that we already know and adding just that little bit of a twist on top of it that then makes it that much more effective. I mean, that's the that's the scope of so much of what I focus on putting out there these days inside of my hypnosis training library, Hypnotic Workers. Check it out at hypnoticworkers.com. That's the program that very often, you know, it's approaching things you might already know. Yet again, as we put some extra emphasis in certain language, as we shift the vocabulary around certain concepts, suddenly we now we've shifted hypnosis to being a much more contextual point of view in which the game is no longer, do you have a script for this? Do you have a script for that? Let, let's get rid of that. Inside of my business training, hypnotic business systems, it's taking some of the stuff that you might already be doing and making that slightest of an adjustment to really enhance your business. I mean, I'd highlight the one thing that people keep commenting, I get this feedback on a near weekly basis now, you know, I, I teach that business is not this game of a yes or a no. It's the strategy of shifting your potential clients into either being ready or not ready yet. And as you filter all of your business in terms of helping your clients and working with your students into that perception of ready or not ready yet, well, then the positive conversation really never comes to an end. You know, and if they don't sign up for your class, if they don't sign up for a series of appointments, how beautiful is it when the phone rings and suddenly you're able to ask the question of, well, you contacted me two years ago. What's different now? 
And I'm telling you from a change in business perspective, whatever answer they give you is going to be magical. And it's going to wonderfully direct you as to how you can better serve that client. So here we go. Let's jump right in. This is a strategy you can use inside of your sessions. Just a quick heads up, though, there's going to be a resource that I'll make available for you. And you can grab that resource by going over to the show notes for this session. This is session number 90, though. Let's do this. Let's program a little bit of a shortcut. This is the NLP technique of changing personal history. So uh, if you just go to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash NLP history, so NLP as in neurolinguistic programming and history as in, well, the word history, that'll bring you directly over to the show notes for this specific podcast session. And that's where you can get access to the uh, one-page uh, resource download that you can actually grab. You can even print out and use inside of your sessions as a little bit of a Let's call it a cheat sheet. Let's call it an outline. Let's not call it a script, though you may be able to read it as if it were a script. So again, to get the resource associated with this session, head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash NLP history. So let's jump right in. This is session number 90, Changing Personal History. There is, first of all, a perspective that I want to give you inside of your change process, which whether whether you're using this specific technique or even doing anything else, I give it a little bit of a negative title, but I want you to hear this title, of course, from the most helping perspective. And the phrase that I usually put it as is to only go into battle when you are fully armed. So again, hear that interestingly, only ever go into battle when you are fully armed. So what do I mean by that? Well, it's a place where you might often see this strategy taught in a format where you are eliciting a problem state. You are having a client go into the problem state of mind before they ever have any resources to help solve the issue. And from my perspective, from my approach to the change work that I do, I really live by this mindset of only ever going to battle when you're fully armed. Now, take note, of course, we will have to identify what the problem is. And luckily, in most cases, I'd say in all cases, I've never really had a client that didn't tell me what change they wanted to create. You know, yes, we often in a training environment, whether it's hypnosis or an LP, would point out how we can work in a content-free format, that we don't necessarily have to know what the issue is in order to help you out. And I have to be slightly critical for a moment and say, I think that really only has true value if I really had to expand that statement in an educational environment, you know, or maybe it's a group of students who are going to be around each other for a couple of weeks and uh, maybe they don't want to air all their personal problems in front of the others. Though I've got to say it as a guy who operates a business called Virginia Hypnosis, you know, the phone rings and I answer and I ask, what would you like to work on? I've never had a person say, I'd rather not say, you know, I need to quit smoking. I need to lose weight. I have fears of this. I get nervous around that. I need to be more motivated about this. They are giving us the identification of what the issue is, but let's draw a line here between the difference between identifying the problem state and going into the problem state. We can label it. We can put a word on it. 
Yet there's a difference between that and fully associating into it. That's that's the key word here. The difference is that of, of dissociation versus association. You can talk about the fear of snakes, but it's entirely different to be in that fearful state, feeling that chill going up your spine. So you're going to see, for those of you that might already be making use of this technique, honestly, to be fair, I have seen it published both ways. Though it's specifically, this was really the motivation of sharing this content this week on the podcast, of really reinforcing this mindset. The, the side benefit to this becomes is that, you know, very often we're trained to have the fear of the ab reaction. And I got to tell you, by eliciting a resource state, a skill, an ability, an emotional state first, and then having them draw out the problem state, the whole category of spontaneous ab reaction has become practically non-existent in my process. You know, it actually goes back to the history of Dr. John Hartland. Uh, session, I believe, number four of this series was all about my approach to the, as I call it, the all-positive ego strengthening. So it's only over going to battle when you're fully armed. Hartland would do a bunch of positive health-giving suggestions, confidence-building suggestions, and only then would deal with the issue the client came in with. And as he put it, by doing so, reduced, if not eliminated, the need for hypnoanalysis. So that's a bit of an opening frame that I want you to have going into this, of only ever going into battle when you are fully armed. Couple of other points to be aware of as I go through this content here. I'm going to give you an overview and then we're going to get into the specifics. And again, this is a one page uh, worksheet that I've actually put together that you can use as a resource in your sessions. And again, head over to the show notes or just the shortcut worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash NLP history. That'll get you access to that resource document. So, first mindset only ever go into battle when you are fully armed. The other mindset that I'd give you is that through the use of hypnotic language patterns, I am always going to work to distance and dissociate the problem. Even before I'm attempting to take down the issue and create the change, I'm going to be looking at methods to chip away, sand away, and polish away that issue before I've officially started to work my magic as it were. You know, I want the process already in motion before I've actually done the process of actually putting it into motion. And there's going to be a mindset to this, that you could do this as part of your conversational strategy before the session actually began. You know, this is a big theme of my live trainings, and especially it's going to be a big component of uh, what I'm doing coming up in March 2017 with Sean Michael Andrews, the Master Hypnotist Course. Check that out at masterhypnotistcourse.com. Is that so often I am looking at how can I have the change in motion before the formal, as Richard Nongard would say, before the formal ritual of hypnosis, before the formal process of hypnosis has begun. So I could do this conversationally, though really there's nothing to stop you from doing this inside of the hypnosis session. Though I give you a little bit of a preframe that you could use as you're about to use this uh, before the session, which would be, I'm just curious, let's just test something out. You know, previous podcast guest, uh, Jonathan Chase, there's a statement that he shared that he was mentioning it in a slightly different context, yet I've modeled this line of his in a different way. 
where he's talking about, I believe, suggestibility tests. And the line he would use is, let's see what type of hypnosis you best respond to. And to change the phrasing to, let's see what type of process you best respond to. So it's where if this doesn't produce the change, it's okay. Because now we're in the position of the classic NLP presupposition, there is no failure, there's only feedback. I would give you the other sort of opening frame to this before I get into the strategy of changing personal history, which is that I feel as a community, we need to address and readdress and rebuild what we mean when we say never lead the client. We need to modify that. Now, there are appropriate moments where we should not lead in any way or form whatsoever. If we are eliciting a memory, if we are doing a recollection or regression or whatever we want to call it, of drawing out something that happened in the past, don't you dare lead in that moment. You know, never lead the witness. You know, first impression, daytime or nighttime, nighttime, inside or outside, inside, alone or with someone. I'm with my uncle, and then follow it up with the question of, what is he doing to you? Dear God, no, don't do that. <laughs> no, what's happening next? Oh, he's telling a funny story, and I feel embarrassed. Oh, you know, you may have been suggesting, you may have been directing the client to create false memories, confabulate something that wasn't there. In the information collection phase, never lead the witness. However, my firm belief, as we are navigating towards the change... Instead, lead like crazy. After all, it's what they're there for. This kind of brings in another opening frame in terms of the different roles that we would often have. And this is going to be a massive generalization, though it's one that works for me. We can talk about, first of all, the difference between consulting and coaching. You know, here is someone that I'm working with in a business coaching environment, and he wants to take a wellness presentation that he does out into the corporate arenas. Right now, he's only doing it for gyms, and he's doing it for schools, and the strategies now become clear. He needs to start doing that presentation to become visible in front of corporate-type people. So in a coaching format, I'd ask the question, well, what types of groups might you start offering that presentation to so they can become aware of you? And he responded, well, maybe Chamber of Commerce, Rotary Groups, places where the membership are most often uh, business people. Followed by the coaching question. Okay, well, we're scheduled for our next call in two weeks. How many connections would you like to have made? You know, whether it's emails or phone calls, how many connections would you like to have made between now and our next call? And he responded, 25. Of those 25, how many would you have liked to have actually booked and scheduled? You know, I think three is going to be a good start. You know, I'm going to get better at closing them as I go, but let's be conservative. He actually closed seven. You got to love that. As opposed to consulting, where consulting would be is that, let's use the business example again, because it's easy, would be the scenario of, uh, well, you need to plug in some email automation. You need to drive traffic to your website and you need to have some sort of opt-in offer. So I recommend using this software and I recommend using this headline and now go off and write your content. You know, the difference between health coaching would be, you know, motivating actions as opposed to consulting. Here are your macronutrients and you're going to count your calories and hit those numbers. Similar to that, again, this is a generalization. If I had to draw a line between hypnosis and NLP, hypnosis would often be, again, there are two opposing forces in the mind in terms of producing change. There's willpower and there's imagination. 
and the imagination will always outpower willpower. So hypnosis is very often retraining the imagination, and by doing so, connecting them with the result and filling in the gaps from there. Meanwhile, again, acknowledging the generalization here, would be that with an NLP, we're looking to suggest that they do suggest and help the client to discover that they have different options and different strategies, different responses are possible. And you're going to see that it's a funny thing. I just wrapped up an NLP class uh, just recently. And uh, as always, the class is typically split. Half the room are people who have trained hypnosis with me before. And the other half are people who are completely from other fields. I mean, in this one, we had a software engineer, a tennis instructor, you know, so people from different outcomes. And I typically find it's only the hypnotist who has a problem, who struggles a little bit with the class because they're trying to suggest way, way too much rather than going, you are now here at this location and this is what you've noticed and this is what you now feel as opposed to, as you do this, what do you notice now? That's, that's the magic of the NLP change. So with those opening frames in place, now let's go into this pattern of changing personal history. Again, this worksheet is available to you at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash NLP history. Let me run you down this entire list, though I will not be offended if you want to pause this program right here, head over to that website, grab the resource, and then follow along as well. Though you're going to find I'm going to describe it in such a way that whether you have the worksheet in front of you yet or not, you know, you can download it now, you can download it afterwards, both are going to be fine. I've broken this down into 10 distinct steps. 10 steps. Step one, I'll give you an overview. Step one, identify the problem state. Basically, you got to know what you got to need to address. Step two, we're going to identify a resource that would have been more beneficial in that experience. Step three, we're going to access and anchor the resource state. And I'm going to share some thoughts with you on anchoring in this program as well. Once we have that now, we're going to label the problem state. So what's that feeling? If you had to sum it up, how did you feel in that moment? Guilty. Okay, now that we've got that, now we're on to step five. We're going to access and anchor the problem state. So we're going to, by way of our language, associate them into the feeling, into the experience perhaps, and uh, as if it were, feel the sensation for the last time. Ooh, there's a little bit of leading language. So now we have two of our states. We have the resource state and the problem state. Briefly, we're going to break state. I'll talk about the importance of that here later in this recording. Followed by that, we're then going to perform our magic. We're going to integrate. We're going to blend these sensations. We're going to bring the resource into the problem state. We're going to take the context of the better feeling into the content of the old memory and let that begin to ripple and create some changes. Then there's going to be an initial testing phase. Testing phase number one is to ask the client to think about the memory and notice what's different. Step nine, we're going to use some hypnotic language to future pace what they've now done. And then my favorite additional step is step 10, is we are going to break the old reality, as I like to say. So this is that pattern. If you're familiar with my work on uh, hypnotic phenomenon, this is the supercharge formula. So try to bring back that old feeling and notice what's different to get them to a place where they can't recall and recreate the old problem state. So let me run you through that real quickly once again, then we will break it down. Step one, identify the problem state. Step two, identify the resource they would like to have, the skill, the ability, the emotional state. 
Step three, we're gonna access and anchor the resource state. Step four, we need to gather some information. We need to label the problem state with perhaps an emotion. Step five, we're gonna access and anchor the problem state. Step six, we're gonna clean the slate. We're gonna break the state. Step seven, we're going to do our integration, taking the context of the good feeling into the content of the old memory. Step eight, we're going to have them relive the memory with different resources in place. Nine, we're going to future pace through hypnotic language. And step 10, we're going to break the old reality. That's my language of it. So let's go into some details here. First of all, Inside of this process, you are going to be anchoring, and you could anchor by way of gestures. You could anchor by way of tonality and posture, though in many cases, most of us in the hypnosis community are interacting with our client in a rather intimate environment, at which point it's perfectly fine to physically touch, though I will give you two strategies on this, one of which there's an entire podcast session on it. There's a whole podcast session. You may hear me punching buttons to find the exact number for you, but there's a whole podcast session that I did called Compliance, Tonality, and uh, Tonality, Compliance, and Influence. That's session number 27. We'll link to that in the show notes, and that gives you... Uh, Actually, there's a video clip inside of that one as well, where it shows you how I get consent to physically interact with my client. It's a whole conversation, and just for the sake of keeping this content specific on changing personal history, go back and listen to session number 27, Tonality, Compliance, and Influence. It's how, without fail, that's a bold statement I know, without fail, I get permission to physically interact with my clients. Although, let me give you a shortcut with credit to Michael Elner, a beautiful line that I've heard him use before. Hey, throughout this process, may I respectfully place my hand on your shoulder? And the magic of that word, respectfully. So basically, you want to tell them ahead of time if you're going to be physically interacting with them. Otherwise, it's possibly offensive, obtrusive, or just weird. So don't do that to people. Simplest way to do it, hey, throughout the process, I may respectfully touch you on the back of the hand or even the shoulder, or back of this hand, back of this hand, or your two shoulders, again, whatever the posture may possibly be. Get permission to physically interact. We're going to talk about anchoring, and anchoring is a funny concept. Think of, for a moment, a bell curve, where there's a rising of the line, it levels off at the top where it plateaus at the peak, and then it swoops down. And you'd often hear people say that you want to establish the anchor at the peak of the emotional state. And the basic definition, as I would put it, of anchoring is that it's a sensory verifiable experience connecting to another sensory verifiable experience. How's that for a jargon-ridden statement? But basically, when you hear that song on the radio, it triggers back some memories. When I say this name, it brings you back to that experience. When you find yourself in that environment, seeing that pack of cigarettes, this is how you've been responding. Life is about associative memory, connections, the transmitters in our brain firing off. The more you do something, the better you get at it. And basically, we're establishing new neural pathways by establishing anchors and then collapsing, integrating them, blending them, merging them, sliding them, whatever the technology we're going to make use of. So again, you would often hear people say that you want to establish the anchor at the peak of the emotional state. There's a problem with that. You might be anchoring it on the downward moving momentum. So really what you want to do if you're going to anchor something, 
is that you want to build the anchor on the rising energy of that emotional state. I'm going to share with you now my dirty, rotten, simple strategy of doing that, which of course has to have a clever name, as I now call this the anchor sandwich. Because basically I'm going to give two suggestions of rising energy, and in the middle of it, like a sandwich, I'm going to place my moment of establishing the anchor. So as you focus on that sense of confidence rising throughout you, as I place my hand on your shoulder, let that feeling rise up even more and release the hand. So what have I done there? I've done my anchor sandwich. Between two suggestions of the rising state, that's when I do the anchor. As you focus on that feeling rising on up, as I place my hand on your shoulder, turn that feeling up even greater and just relax. So we're bringing up that emotional state and we're doing the anchor between two suggestions of rising energy. Remembering that anchors need to be specific. So a dirty rotten trick, as we like to say, is to look at whether it's their hand, a piece of clothing, you know, if there's a freckle, if there's a mole, if there's a hair, I'm looking at the back of my hand and like the little dipper, I have three perfect little freckles that can position my finger in consistently. I could walk away, I can look back at the spot, I can land there. A seam of the clothing is another great example as well. So the anchors need to be specific and they need to be on the rising energy. And again, the anchor sandwich. As you let that feeling rise, as I place my hand on your shoulder, turn that feeling up even greater. And now we've got it. So with that in mind, I'm looking through my pre-frame notes here. Let's start to break down this technique step-by-step. Again, worksheet available at worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash NLP history. Step one, identify the problem state. And here's a transcript of how I said it in a recent session. So go ahead and allow yourself to remember a time from your past or access a memory, something that even though you know you're not there anymore, the thought or memory may still be holding you back somehow today. Can you become aware of a memory that's somehow still affecting you now? So what am I going after? I'm looking for that problem memory. I'm asking the conscious question, yes, of what's that experience that's holding you back? Over the years, it could be the coach said this, my mom said that. And this is very similar, if not identical, to the pattern of uh, reparenting. Though I'll, I'll give you that little twist as a bonus at the end. Rather than giving the resource to yourself, you give the resource to someone else. There, I gave it to you now. So in this case, we're changing our personal history. So again, to read the language that's on your worksheet, allow yourself to remember a time from your past or access a memory Something that even though you know you're not there anymore, the thought or memory may still be holding you back today somehow. Can you become aware of a memory that somehow is still holding you back today? Notice the places where I'm distancing and dissociating the problem state already. Something that even though you know you're not there anymore, the thought still is perhaps holding you back somehow now. I'm already distanced and dissociating. So I've got the scenario. That's what step one accomplishes. Step one, identify the problem state. Let's work with a specific example here for the sake of conversation. Let Here's a moment where um, I got into an argument and I found comfort eating this thing. Well, we'll use a simple example. I was angry because I came home from work and it was a bad day and uh, I ate a whole box of cereal. Okay, there's the example. Step two, we're immediately going to pivot in my school of thought. So rather than go, traditionally, I've seen this done of accessing that problem state. Again, I want to go into battle fully armed. 
So step two, identify the resource. Now I'm going to set an expectation here. Here's a transcription from a previous session. Now the truth is we cannot change the past, though we do have two options. We can change how the past makes us feel today, or we can change how we think about the past. So I'm curious. If there was a resource, perhaps a skill, a piece of knowledge, or even emotional state that you could have had in that moment that would have changed things, what might that have been? How would you rather have felt? So the reason behind this piece of language is that, again, in some places, we love our jargon as hypnotists and nelpers, where, you know, we'd comfortably say, what's a resource you would like? And maybe that person doesn't know what that means. So it's where our good friend, the listing pattern comes in. So if there was a resource, you know, maybe a skill, a piece of knowledge, or even an emotional state, a feeling that you could have had in that event, what might that be? And you might get all sorts of different answers here. You might get something very logical, that that bad day at work had nothing to do with me, there was a merger going on, and I didn't need to take that stress home. Or an emotional state. I've had someone recently in a similar environment where emotional eating was the result, she self-suggested that amusement would have been a better place to go. And that's one that pops up very frequently as I work with clients who would maybe even bring up things like road rage. You know, rather than getting angry at the car that cut them off, now they're just kind of laughing in terms of, wow, I wonder why they were going so quickly. I <laughs> wonder what kind of day they're having. You know, going to a place of amusement is an amazing, amazing resource. So to backtrack, step one, what's the problem state? What's the problem memory? Step two, basically, how would you rather have felt? Now we're on to step three. Access and anchor the resource state. So at this point, we only have a label. And let's go with, let's go with amusement. That'll be fun. So can you think of a time where you felt that positive feeling? You're going to see that it says positive feeling on my worksheet that I'm giving you. Yet uh, again, if you have the label, strategy feedback. You know, use the label instead. So let's use that. So think of a time where you felt amused, where you felt a wonderful sense of amusement going through your body and allow yourself to go into that amused memory now and see it through your own eyes, feel it in your own body, hear it through your own ears and allow yourself to feel some of that positive feeling of amusement now, anchor sandwich. And as you focus on that sense of amusement rising throughout you, as I place my hand on your shoulder, turn that amusement up even greater. Really enjoy that feeling. That's right. And just let that fade away for now. We'll come back to that later. So I've established my anchor. You can test it. You can trigger it again to see that you've actually got it. See the neurology changing. See their physicality changing as you do that. Definitely a good resource. Though for the sake of describing the technique, let's move forward now where we now want to label the problem state. You know, so going back to that experience that we're now here to change, which is presupposing, again, we are going to change this memory. So as you think back to that old memory that we're now going to change, if you had to label the feeling that was there, the uh, sort of sensation in your body as you went through that, how would you have labeled that? You know, and in this case, we might hear the negative state label, which is going to be, in this case, let's go with guilt. Okay. And again, distance and dissociate lead like crazy. Here's the language that I'm often going to use. And as if maybe for the last time, just to get it out of your system, go back into that moment where at work, this is what happened, and allow yourself just to process that guilt as if for the last time. 
And as you let that unwanted sensation rise within you as I place my hand on your other shoulder, turn that up just that little bit more to notice how much you can actually control that feeling by bringing it up and bringing it down yourself. So again, in the part of the process that may have usually been the uh, the brick and the chink in the wall that made things more difficult, the the pothole that made things difficult, I am just pummeling away at the old state by distance and dissociating that old problem, you know, as if bringing it up for the last time just to get it out of your system. Language along that point of view and then anchor it. And as you bring up that feeling and let it rise within you as if for the last time, as my hand is on your shoulder, just turn it up that little bit more just to discover how much control you already have over that old feeling. Again, that old feeling, dissociate. Break state. The reason we're going to break state is to work from a clean slate to then basically not by accident bring the negative state into the positive one. So to establish a baseline, all sorts of ways we can do this. As hypnotists, we have a wonderful gift that it's not weird for us to tell our clients, close your eyes and open them. Or if their eyes are already closed, open your eyes and close them. And honestly, that's the easiest one you could possibly do. There's also the beauty of the non sequitur question, the random question out of nowhere. I've heard this one sometimes. I think I heard it from Jess Merritt in a recording. Do you smell popcorn? <laughs> Which I've seen that other places, but I'll credit Jess on that one. Or what'd you have for breakfast this morning? I just ask you that to change your mind. And then we're back into the technique. You know, so anything to break the state, the simplest one, again, most of my audience listening to this are hypnotists and a let the eyes open and close or let the eyes close and open, whatever is appropriate. So let's backtrack here. We've been in the get ready. We haven't yet affected change yet, though with our language, we have been pummeling away at the change already. So identify the problem state, notice the resource, access and anchor the resource, label the problem emotion, access and anchor the problem state, break state. That's where we are now. The basic language to paraphrase so far. So allow yourself to remember a time from your past that might be holding you back. You got it? Okay. Now, we can't change the past, but we can change how the past makes us feel, and we can change our reaction to it. So let me ask you this. If you could go back in time, what would be a skill, a resource, or even an emotional state that if you had it then, the event would have played out differently? Okay. Well, go to a time where you did feel that positive sensation and go ahead and go into that memory now and relive it through your own senses and allow that feeling of positivity to rise throughout you. As I place my hand on your left shoulder, let that feeling rise up even stronger and let it fade. Good. And notice how as I can touch you on the shoulder there again, it comes back just the same. Good. And relax. So just a quick moment though, just to kind of get the process of what we need to address here, that memory that's been popping up still, if we had to place a label on how that moment either made you feel at the time or even how it makes you feel now, how would you label that? Angry. So go ahead now, and as you think of that memory, go inside of it just for a moment as if just to get it out of your system. Go into that old moment and feel some of that anger rising. And just as I briefly place my hand respectfully on your right shoulder, let that anger rise up just a little bit so you can get a sense memory of that old feeling and also notice that you already do have much more control over that state of mind than you ever thought possible. And as I let go, just let that fade away. And let the eyes close for a moment. Just think of something else. Let the eyes open back up. I share a favorite break state that I've done, and this is kind of clever, if not playful, which is the, and let your eyes close, 
what color shirt are you wearing? And it's kind of funny that some people don't remember, <laughs> which is an outstanding break state. I just did that to play with you. Let the eyes open. So good. So now we're at step number seven of the integration. We're basically the sequence is we're going to, again, as I would phrase it, bring the context of the positive resource into the content of the old memory. Best way to think of it. Here's my language. So as you take this feeling of, and I'll just use simple language of positivity and negativity, simplify. So as you take this feeling of positivity and hold on to that and go into that old memory and relive that old experience now as if you had this positive sensation, find out what happens now as you go through it with this strength or behavior. And notice what's different now as you relive that old memory in a new way. Take as much time as you need to make that change now. And only allow, only as you allow yourself to come back once you've made that change that you are ready to enjoy. Whenever you're ready, come on back. Welcome back. So let's unpack that language. The physicality is I'm going to fire off. I'm going to trigger the positive anchor followed by the negative, hold them both at the same time, deliver that bit of patter. And as I'm noticing the integration is in process, and as I'm giving the suggestion, take your own time and then release the hands at that point. So again, it's a one, two, hold them both, hold them both and release. There's the physicality. Though inside of my language, again, leading questions, leading suggestions, embedded commands. Take this feeling of positivity and hold on to it. As you go into that old memory, I don't even label the negative one. Feeling of positivity, hold on to it, go into that old memory and relive that experience now as if you had this ability. And find out what happens now. The word now is always supposing in this moment, it's bringing it into immediacy. Find out what happens now as you go through it with this strength or behavior. And notice what's different now as you relive that old memory in a new way. Take as much time as you need to, command it, make that change now. And only as you allow yourself, and only allow yourself to come back once you have made that change that you are ready to enjoy. Come on back. And welcome back. So the beauty, I, I read this in one of Andy Smith's book uh, to tell the client, welcome back presupposes that they went somewhere, which they did. They turned inside. The simplest definition, as I would say, of hypnotic trance is that moment where internal focus carries more meaning than external reality. There's the working definition that I, that I stand by and it works for me. But by saying welcome back, we've presupposed that they've been somewhere, which from our perspective, they have. So now we're going to test. This is step number eight if you're following along in the worksheet. Ask the client about that memory. So as you think about that old experience... What do you notice now? And the beauty is, just as a side note, the question of what do you notice now, what it does is it presupposes that something has changed. And very often, unconsciously, something has shifted and consciously you're, they're just now becoming aware of it or they're not yet aware of it. So the beauty of asking the question of what do you notice now is going to drive them to discover that change. Oh, I feel better about it. Step nine, future pace. The simplest formula for hypnotic patter, cause effect, action result. 
you know, what's interesting is now that you noticing that it's not that big of an issue, you're going to start to find that you're feeling more calm and more focused and more at ease and link result, link result. And as you're now more calm and focused and at ease, when you're in that environment around those family members, you're probably going to find yourself getting along with them even better. And as you're getting along with them even better, starting to discover that there are things that you can learn from them, experiences you can share with them that are even more positive now. And as you're noticing your experiences are now even more positive, you're noticing how your mind is kind of backtracking on its own and reframing, rebuilding, and noticing experiences from the past already in very different ways. So again, I'm pacing the change outwards and cleaning up in all directions for now, step 10, which I love doing this, this is what I often call the tonality pattern of the supercharge formula. I'm going to uh, distance and dissociate the result that I don't want, and I'm going to strengthen the result I do want. I'm going to go permissively authoritative in my tonality. I'm going to permissively suggest they try to find the negative sensation while authoritatively directing them to a change. So, to give you the example as it fits into hypnotic phenomenon, so the more you try to bend that arm, it just gets even stronger. Really, the more you try to bend that arm, it just gets even stronger. That's the pattern. But we can use that for emotional change as well. So try to bring back that old feeling and notice what's different. Again, notice the question is notice what's different. In a hypnosis model purely, Notice as you try to bring back that old feeling, you just feel more and more amused. You're suggesting. Again, NLP options and strategies. Try to bring back that old feeling and just notice what's different now. What's different? And now you're getting their feedback. Now you're getting their response as to what they're noticing in that moment. So it's a moment where, again, we're letting them discover the change. We're letting them create the magic inside of them. Again, the worksheet for this, worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash NLP history. Check that out. So to run the process once again, identify the problem state. What's the memory you'd like to change? How would you rather feel in that moment? Go into that feeling, access a memory of that positive sensation, let that rise up, build an anchor. So if you had place a label on how you used to feel as you think of that old memory, how would you label that? What would you call that? Guilt. It's probably going to be a nominalization. Guilt, anger, whatever it might be. And uh, as if just to get it out of your system for the last time, distance and dissociate. Bring back that old memory and just for a moment, go into some of that old feeling. And as I place my hand on this shoulder, turn that feeling up. Break state. Does this look infected? No, don't use that break state. <laughs> Step number seven, now we're into the change process, integration. So as you, again, context of the positive sensation into the content of the old memory. So as you take this feeling of positivity and bring it into that old memory, notice what there is to notice, feel what there is to feel, and only as quickly as you can make that change now. Only then, come on back. Welcome back. Step eight, and as you think about that old experience, what do you notice now? Future pace, and as you're noticing this, here's gonna be the result, and as you're noticing that, here's gonna be the result. Though I'm just curious here, this is interesting, just to play with this, try to bring back that old feeling of guilt, and what do you notice now? Really, try to bring back that old sensation, and how do you feel now? Cool, so 
the obvious question before we wrap things up here, again, is you make use of this worksheet, and I'd really encourage you, well, first of all, as I like to talk about my hypnobob practice strategy, as you've heard me kind of play the dissociative personality disorder myself and be both practitioner and client in this recording, you can kind of problem solve and strategize how this would go with a make-believe client, you know, come up with a scenario and run the process on that. You know, if you've got fellow hypnotists you'd like to practice on, work with them as well. Though the common pitfall, the place where this might go wrong, is that, well, I feel kind of better, but it's still there. To which brings in the beautiful concept of just what we call stacking anchors, which, again, the difference between consulting and coaching, as a coach, in my phrasing, we don't have to be really clever. We just have to know how to ask the right questions to help them get there. So it's, again, the classic pattern of, well, if you didn't know, what would it be? As a response to, I don't know what to do next. So it's where you could simply ask the question of, well, what other resource, what other skill or ability would be helpful in that moment? Well, you know, we already have amusement, maybe perhaps empathy, you know, maybe that they're going through something that I don't know about. And uh, maybe I can just, you know, not let it go to a place of anger because I could be more empathetic, sympathetic with what that person's possibly going through. Well, what's the time you felt that sympathetic feeling? Go into that, anchor that, stack it on top of the other one. Basically, you're doing some sort of kinesthetic swish inside of this process, bringing the positive context into the previous content. And if you don't get that, again, what's another resource? What's another skill? What's a piece of knowledge? You know, the classic question, if I knew, if I know now what I knew then, what would be different? So again, it's an experience of taking a technique of changing personal history that you might already be aware of. And what I'd reference is that very often, if it's not too, uh, this is a fair statement to make, I think, if it's not too big of an issue, there's places where I don't need to pull out you know, full guns blazing, doing my age regression to cause informed child future pacing and all that jazz, we're very often just changing the perspective of a previous experience, changing how they're thinking about it, changing how they're feeling about it. You know, a beautiful question you can kind of fold in and is, as you observe that experience now, what lessons can you now learn? That's a beautiful way to then let this segue into whatever other strategies you're going to be making use of. So again, head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash NLP history to get the worksheet you can make use of as a resource. And I want to hear back from you on this one. Test this out, experiment with it, fold it into your process. And whether it's on the show notes, whether it's on uh, the Work Smart Hypnosis Facebook page, let me know what type of results you're getting with this. Because again, it's a place of take note of that mindset only ever going into battle when you're fully armed, gather the resources of your client and using their own unique, and again, note this word, organic qualities of change, their own organic strengths. We're not suggesting confidence out of nowhere. We're modeling from them what their flavor of confidence is, and that's what we're bringing to that experience. We're using their skills. They got themselves into the hole, and we're using their skills to dig them out. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. 
Hey, thanks again for participating with this program. And I got to share, my biggest delight is uh, the days that people pop up online and they mention that, oh, I finally caught up on the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast and the different sessions, the interviews, the conversations, the teaching moments like the session here today. And to get even more content and to get even greater access, head over right now to Hypnotic Workers. Com. This is the full digital library of my hypnosis training. Everything from inductions and deepeners to strategies for change that you will not find anywhere else. Unique strategies for change. And on top of that, it's a community. We've got ongoing webinars. We've got a support form. And plus, on top of that, I'm adding in sessions of me with real live clients. Yes, they have signed video waivers. <laughs> but you get to see real client sessions from start to finish. The teaching moments have been transcribed. And just like the worksheet that you get along with this podcast session, there's student resources to use inside of your sessions as well. Head over to hypnoticworkers.com to get the digital access version. Though also, head out to Vegas. Coming up in March 2017, we've got the Master Hypnotist course. When two hypnotists join forces, me and Sean Michael Andrews, the world's fastest hypnotist, along with myself, quote, the guy who makes other hypnotists more successful, we are partnering up for a six-day accelerated intensive hypnosis training. Whether you're brand new to this stuff or whether you want to revisit strategies and make them work more good or better, as I like to say, kind of like what what we did today in this podcast session. Join us in Las Vegas. So two possible resources, learn at home with hypnoticworkers.com or party down live at uh, masterhypnotistcourse.com. Either way, I will see you soon.